Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the hour of truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Well, a warm welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, every third Tuesday of the month at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. UK Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. A serious Radio Live invites you to discover the fascinating truth about karma, life on other planets, the Mother Earth, the New World, the Next Master, and much more, which were revealed through Dr. George King between 1954 and 1997. Today's show will be on the topic of UFOs are here to stay, and Chrissy Blaze will be joined by Alison Lawrence, who is an international director of the Aetherius Society and a popular presenter of lectures and workshops here at the Aetherius Temple in London, as well as having lectured in Europe and other venues. So without further ado, I'll give you Alison Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Thank you very much, Noemi, and Thank welcome you. again to the show, Alison. Hello, Chrissy. It's always nice to be talking to you. Yeah, um, I know the last show we did together. I'm sorry? One of my favorite topics. And mine too. I know um, we're both long-time, not only believers, but researchers in in this great topic. And Alison, I know, has done a lot of uh, research, and we're we're going to be beneficiaries of that in the next hour, so please stay tuned in. And I'd just like to begin by reminding people or telling people who might be listening for the first time that... um, The great thing about the topic of UFOs is that whether we believe in them or not, and really it's hard not to when there's so much evidence spanning not only the last few decades, but actually spanning the centuries when you really uh, look into the topic, and some of which we'll talk about today. But whether we believe in them or not, the beauty is they still keep coming. (laughs) And the position that we have in the Ethereum society are that UFOs are real, they're friendly, and they are extraterrestrial and they're of course not here to destroy us but they're here to help us they are helping us they have been helping us in many ways which we will talk about later if they weren't friendly we wouldn't be here to debate the issue with their advanced technology and scientific knowledge as well as their great spirituality and they are so much more uh, spiritually advanced than we are on this planet. They are like our elder brothers and sisters, if you like. And you may say, well, how do we know these things? Well, as regular listeners will know, the founder of the Ethereum Society, Dr. George King, a yoga master and also a contactee, um, and a medium who received over 600 messages from interplanetary intelligences containing prophecies, wisdom, and profound teachings. And we've found over the years in the Ethereum Society, I'm sure Alison will agree, that when attention is focused on the topic, there are more sightings. And it really isn't surprising when a promise has been made by the interplanetary masters through Dr. King that if we take one step towards God, if you like, one step towards these advanced uh, beings, they will take two steps towards us. And we've seen the evidence of this over the years. Um, only recently, between mid-December 2017 and early January this year, there was another spate of UFO sightings which were broadcast in uh, national newspapers and major TV channels. And I know Alison has been following 
these reports. And I wondered if you'd, we'd like to begin by Alison asking you if you could share some of this information with the listeners. Yes, certainly. My pleasure. I mean, uh, I'm looking at uh, newspaper articles, Daily Telegraph and the Daily Mail, as recently as uh, December of last year. And uh, the former head, this is an example, this was taken from the Daily Telegraph on Christmas Eve 2017. The former head of a secret U.S. government program told the Telegraph, and his name was Luis Elizondo, said the existence of supremely advanced, unidentified aircraft using technology that did not belong to any nation had been proved beyond unreasonable doubt. That's amazing. I mean, uh, as soon as you think the subject's going to go away and, oh, it's all fantasy, mm -hmm. there's another space of sightings. Absolutely. I mean, and what, can you repeat again the, he the head of what organization? It was a secret organization the in the U.S.? Yes, certainly. The former head of a secret U.S. government program. That, that's the information I have. And uh, he also said that uh, the, well, the Pentagon confirmed that there's the existence of the real-life X-Files department, which began in 2007. And this was revealed and confirmed by the Pentagon. Really? So it's the same old story, government yeah. cover-up. Yeah, it's the same in England, isn't it, with the Department of UFOs and the Ministry of Defense. And um, I didn't know that there was a similar department here, fairly recently set oh, up, say 2007. Absolutely. Very interesting. Mm. In fact, I can be even more up to date. Um, this is a, another uh, newspaper article, February the 11th of this year. And this is uh, Nick Pope. And he, he used to be the head of the, you know, the Ministry of Defense UFO department. And yes, he has actually stated that there's a massive underreporting of UFOs for fear of ridicule. Yes. And uh, in fact, in the last three years, there have been nearly 400 sightings reported to UK police forces. 400, wow. Yes. That's, that's and then fantastic. He's, yes, I, I mean, you know, now I'm looking here at the... Uh, the Daily Mail, and this is, they're reporting something that happened uh, off San Diego in 2004 when uh, some objects, unidentified flying objects, appeared over, uh, this was a, a very large ship, it was a sort of military, military uh, ship here, and uh, these uh, objects were sort of tailing them at an altitude of 80,000 feet, and then they plunged towards the sea. Then they suddenly stopped at 20,000 feet and hovered over, the, over the, the, the big aircraft carrier, whatever it was, and then suddenly disappeared. Wow, and, that's uh, fantastic sighting. <laughs> I know, I know. And, I mean, I've actually seen... Uh, you know, footage of this on television and some of these programs that they're putting out because they're very popular. There's a demand for these programs. Exactly. I mean, so many people, I think, do believe in the existence of UFOs and flying saucers because so many people have had sightings. Uh, you probably remember, Alison, in the 1980s, we had a, a UFO hotline in London. Yes, the that's right. Quarters, yes. And we had so many... Um, sightings, hundreds and hundreds. Of course, not all of them were genuine by any means, but a 
substantial portions seem to be very genuine. And uh, in the end, there was just so many because we have we're more interested in cooperating with uh, the interplanetary intelligences rather than well, monitoring them. Course. And so we just couldn't have the time to do it. But it was fascinating. We did it for some time, wasn't it, that um, so many people have sightings. And I say, do report them because you won't be ridiculed because so many other people do have sightings. Well, in fact, I've got here this something I just uh, came upon. It's a, a mini poll uh, conducted, and um, this was the New York UFO website or NewYorkUFO.com um, forward slash UFO news. And it, it stated that 52% of the people surveyed thought that UFOs were off world. That's how they term yeah. it, call it. Yeah. 27% thought they were dimensional. And you know how many people thought it was in their imagination? Zero. No, how many? How many? <laughs> none. None? No, oh, none. Zero percent <laughs> thought it were, they were imaginary. So oh, there you are, it, you know, and that's, uh, that's very recent. And in fact, I've, yeah, got some other in, I've got some other information here. Um, there's a, a group, I think it's Peter Davenport of MUFON, and, uh, you know, they do a lot of UFO research. And uh, he catalogued more than 128,000 mysterious sightings worldwide since 1974. Now, that wow. is a significant date, and that's something I think we'll go into later, because there was a very important transmission delivered by the Master Sirius at the end of 1973. And uh, since that date really there have been a lot more strange sightings you know they're just pe you know people from other worlds life forms from other planets not necessarily from this solar system and they're sort of observing us it's, it's yeah, quite amazing really well we're a kind of a strange world because on the one hand there's terrible things happening and on the other hand there's a rising of spirituality and these are happening simultaneously i mean it must be a very unusual planet i should think uh, what's happening on this world yes um, i know but alison um I, yeah it's always good for people to keep an eye out i think for flying saucers because let's face it if you don't look up you're not going to see them right no but, that's um, right you keep your head to the ground say, well, what do anything. i look for yes exactly um <laughs> don't keep looking at your feet or at the, the shops but look up because it's amazing what you can see, even at night. And I've had a sighting at night. And I think, Alison, you've had a very uh, incredible sighting on a plane. Um, and yes, you, I did. You can talk about yes. that either now or later. But I just wanted yes. to ask you, Alison, um, answer the question. When people are looking for UFOs, what should they look for? I mean, there are many different types. Uh, the classic saucer shape that was coined by Kenneth Arnold in 1947, um, yes, and photographed by George Adamski. Mm -hmm. I think that's been recognized as a genuine uh, sighting and, uh, you know, photograph of a real craft. But exactly. actually, and I've got... cigar shape, too. I'm yes, sorry. oh, yes, well, what I've got here is a list of the type of objects that have been reported. So you've got uh, the what we call the Adamski-type UFO, which is your traditional flying saucer, with the portholes, and uh, people have also seen orbs of different colours. 
Then you've got the very large cigar-shaped craft, and there have been several of those seen. Well, they're seen all around the world. And uh, bell-shaped UFOs have been uh, sighted as well. Uh, I mean, there are so many. But in fact, um, we published a little, in the Ethereum Society, we published a little booklet called The Flying Saucers, and it's all about the type of craft and what they do, what they're made of, they're, what they're used for. And it's absolutely fascinating. It's I mean, a for example. Book, isn't it? Yes, I know. <laughs> There is a, a report on the flying saucers, their crews, and their mission to Earth, and that was published by Dr. King. I don't know if we still have uh, copies of this, but it, there is so much information. I know we I mean, do have some at the Michigan branch, so if, if a listener is local, then come along. We have some copies of that. Fantastic little book. It's only about $5, I think. I know. And it's a <laughs> gem. <laughs> so the big question, Alison, that everyone asks, Yes. why they are here because you know we're such a, a warlike race really if we're honest uh, many of us probably can't conceive of these advanced races who would come to this earth purely with the motive of helping mankind uh, and of course the earth herself but we have to remember that these are extremely spiritually advanced intelligences and so their motivation unlike a majority of people on earth which may be a material motivation um, they're motivated by great compassion. And um, yes. is there anything, I know they're coming here to help also in very practical ways, Alison, and I know you've researched this quite a lot as well. Yes, oh, absolutely. Well, uh, they're observing us. I mean, with the technology that they have at their disposal, if they can, if they can travel through the cosmos, they can land, they could wage war, you know, we wouldn't stand a chance. So that, I think, straight away proves that they're friendly. And, uh, you know, in these, uh, in these articles on the UFOs, the conclusion that they've come to is that, uh, uh, really, they're watching us to make sure that we don't destroy ourselves. I mean, if we blew up the planet, that would have serious repercussions across the solar system. And I mean, all the planets in this solar system are inhabited. I mean, I think there's a big cover-up over Mars, and more and more is coming out about that. But Venus is inhabited, not necessarily on this plane. But these craft, they can, they can fly through the different levels of existence, the different dimensions. So they're not just on this physical plane. And... Uh, what they're doing, they're monitoring the mind belt because they can, they can see the astral planes, they can, all our thoughts and all the energy that we put out is something that they can monitor. So that's one thing they do. They also, um, they look at the amount of radioactivity that uh, there is in the atmosphere. And I mean, they have done so much to uh, absorb radioactivity from from the ionosphere. I mean, if, if it hadn't been for their intervention, I think this earth, uh, this, the surface of this earth would be dying, would be in a, literally a nuclear winter. And what they yeah. use for those, I mean, this is fascinating, 
are implosion devices and these are like green circular objects and many people have seen sort of these balls of different colours but these implosion devices are made of antimatter and this absorbs the radioactivity out of the atmosphere by magnetic attraction. It's, it's quite incredible. And then, uh, this is all, all published in this little book, uh, they, when the uh, they can be destroyed, and that way the radioactivity is completely neutralized. Fantastic. It is. It's, it's a real shame, isn't it, Alison, that they have to come, well, they come out of their compassion to clear up the mess that we create. You know, It's really awful, but that's the way it is. And um, I think it's time that we started to recognize that and the very least if you believe in ufos investigate it start with the Ethereum society because we have so much information dr oh, king absolutely. regular listeners will know received over 600 messages or cosmic transmissions as we call them um giving this some of this information that allison's talking about as well as great wisdom uh, prophecies predictions uh, and tremendous spirituality uh, given to all the world, to, not just the Ethereum Society. And we have many of these on, on tape <coughs> available in books and so on. So um, I'd just like to talk about another thing, Alison, yes. uh, before I hand back to you, that about the uh, nuclear accidents that we have. And it's, right. it's interesting. I always thought, it's interesting you said we should be like a nuclear winter now. And I've always thought, well, I wonder why people aren't wondering what happened to all the, when all that time and, and when all these um, nuclear tests were done and atomic bombs were exploded. I always think, why don't people wonder what happened to all of that? <laughs> because you're absolutely <laughs> right. We would be in a nuclear winter. But they're yes, very, very I know. Concerned. It's unbelievable yeah. that we're still alive. It really I is, mean, yeah. I mean, going back to uh, the uh, nuclear uh, Russian atomic accident that happened on April the 18th, 1958, if it hadn't been for the intervention of the cosmic masters, uh, 17 million people would have died. And yeah. it's because they absorbed the radiation. Uh, and it, it's really, we owe so much to them. Yeah, uh, a similar situation with Chernobyl, um, which most people remember, wasn't too long ago, uh, 1986, I believe, when um, they said that the radiation level decreased, and this was due, and it was reported, I think, 16 years afterwards in Pravda, the Russian news agency. Uh, yes. It wasn't really reported in the Western media, and that's usually the case. But um, they said that some people saw a spaceship hovering above the fourth generating unit of the Chernobyl plant. Eyewitnesses yes, right. said that it was there for six hours and hundreds of people saw it. People reported they saw a UFO about 300 meters from the reactor with two rays of crimson light going into the fourth unit for about three minutes and then it went. Yes, Apparently, that's right. according to Pravda, the radiation level decreased about four times. My point is it said that if that reactor had blown as it should have done, it could have wiped out the population of much of Europe. I mean, incredible. And it's just unthinkable. But it's very interesting because four hours before this disaster, Dr. King was in Arizona. 
and he was told to uh, activate a special piece of radionic apparatus which radiated spiritual energy in cooperation with space intelligences. And that, in a way, is a karmic manipulation. So they could use this energy. And it was four hours after that that uh, the world heard of the disaster at Chernobyl. Yeah. And so it was like a warning. Yeah. And I think Richard was with him at the time, is that correct? Yes, that's absolutely yeah. correct. Yes, amazing. It really is. And I, I know you've researched a number of other ways in which the extraterrestrial intelligences, the cosmic masters as we call them, are, are helping us. And one very fascinating one that you were talking to me earlier about was about the... Um, uh, the Baltic Sea anomaly. Yes, I will. Yes, this is uh, something. It's quite incredible. You see, um, in this little book that was published, uh, The Flying Saucers, um, he talks about what type of uh, materials that some of these UFOs are made of. And one of, the, one of these things is a self-reproducing organic metal. So... That, so that means if if there's any damage to it, it sort of it reproduces itself and sort of seals over the damage. But now this is this is a very interesting piece of information. It was in 2011, and uh, some Swedish marine explorers were scouring the sea floor and they were looking for shipwrecks and they had the latest side scan sonar equipment to detect objects at the bottom of the sea. And what they really were was uh, they were treasure hunters hoping to locate some valuable cargo. But they picked up something else, and this was photographed. And uh, they dived down, and it was a perfectly shaped flying saucer, about 60 meter in diameter, so it was quite a large craft. And it had a rock-like exterior, and it looked as if it had been like almost fossilized just like you get trees that are fossilized and uh, they went down and they took some samples of it and it was shown to be made of a layered metallic material but the fact that it became petrified like a tree would suggest that it must have been alive at one time and made of some kind of organic metal and this was, as I say, it must have been down there for some time, obviously, to get into that state of fossilization. Yes. But it demonstrates that it is some kind of organic metal, and this is exactly what we have been told. Very interesting. Oh, I hadn't heard of that before. That was very fascinating indeed. And there are um, many sightings of UFOs coming from the oceans, I believe I've heard. Oh, over yes, the years. that's right, yes. Is there any more information that you've you know, come across about that, Alison? Well, actually, the Master of Sirius said that there were some bases, uh, undersea bases, and they were allowed to be there so long as they didn't interfere with us. But, you see, one, one of the functions that they have is to, you know, they, they monitor the atmosphere, but they also monitor the bottom of the ocean. I mean, you know, when we went through this period in the 50s and 60s of detonating atomic bombs they also detonated them under sea you know we're not just damaging the atmosphere but we're damaging the ocean making it radioactive i mean look what's going on with uh, 
Kim Jong-un, you know, he's sort of yeah. burying them underground and no wonder they're getting earthquakes. I mean, exactly. he can only carry on doing that for so long. Exactly. I was just thinking, Alison, that, you know, in the 50s and 60s, there were a lot of demonstrations, anti-bomb movements. And in fact, Dr. King was one of the people who um, used to march with them and and uh, talk against, you know, nuclear Atom, the atom bomb and so forth. And oh, now, yes. strangely, in this country and probably around the world, we sort of feel a kind of security. I don't know why. We had these massive anti-nuclear protests before, and I think there was one protest in New York where a million people demonstrated, and that was, really? I think it was in the 80s. Yeah, and then we yes. had various politicians like Henry Kissinger and others calling for a nuclear-free world. And then yes. I, I believe now we have... Um, 15,000 nuclear weapons on Earth. Um, 60 countries, I was reading, either have nuclear weapons or the capability to create them. And then we have North Korea, as you say, and the US, because they seem to be having a fight between them. And then there's Iran. Um, And the weird thing to me is that somehow we seem to be not so worried. It's almost like we're in this strange place because we really do need to be concerned about this. And and Alison, um, perhaps you can share some of yes. what has happened in the past uh, and the dangers of our rediscovery of the atom bomb. Yes, this was the big game changer because um, we're not only, um, you know, a danger to ourselves and the planet, but we're a, a potential danger to the solar system. I mean. We, de- we in the Ethereum Society definitely believe that uh, the, what is now the asteroid belt was a planet teeming with life and uh, uh, it was destroyed in a, a terrible nuclear conflagration and the people who destroyed it were us, the human race. So there would have been terrible karma to bear for that. But, uh, you know, we've had uh, two other civilizations since then, and both of them created the uh, atomic bomb. And uh, it it is very frightening because, you see, the radioactivity doesn't just exist on this level. It exists through all the levels. So if, if someone dies in a nuclear explosion, it's a terrible thought to even put out. But their astral bodies would be damaged and, uh, you know, it, it creates mutations. I mean, it would just make our world completely uninhabitable. And I think they didn't realize it. And, they, uh, you know, we had the wind scale blunder. And the government mm-hmm. covered up the fact that it was causing cancer, you know, and, and all sorts of strange anomalies in, in people. And they, they didn't want to accept that it was because of this nuclear experimentation because it travels through the ionosphere and then it settles. You get these radioactive clouds, which, you know, if uh, we hadn't been helped in, in after the Chernobyl disaster, as you say, it would have destroyed half of Europe. You know, we wouldn't be able to eat anything. It would be barren land. Exactly. And a, a lot of the early teachings of the society, given through Dr. King, were about this very topic, weren't they? Given in the 50s, um, and the 60s, I think mainly the 50s. And also, um, recently, Richard Lawrence, uh, Richard and I had a, a show about um, Dr. King's mother, Mary King. 
Yes. And uh, it was a very fascinating show, I have to say. And she had a very interesting experience around 1958. And I think it's something you're familiar with, is it not, Alison? Yes, yes. You see, in 1958, there was this great demonstration which Dr. King organized, and it was instigated by this uh, cosmic transmission, Demand the Truth. And that was delivered by Mars Sector 6. And this is where the phrase was coined, flying saucers are real, are physical, are friendly, are extraterrestrial. And uh, he, you know, he was like urging us to make, have a demonstration to tell the world that, uh, you know, we've, and this is a quote, had, it is obvious that we are friendly. Had we not been, you would not exist. For you, Terra, have already released enough radioactivity to kill all life upon your planet, had we not many times in the past intervened. Now, that is a statement of fact. So, anyway, this big demonstration was organized by Dr. King, and it took place on August the 23rd, 1958. And uh, hundreds of people marched to Trafalgar Square, and the transmission was played over the loudspeakers. And uh, it's very interesting because while this was going on, Dr. King's mother, Mary King, was in Devon. And uh, she was visited by a Martian intelligence. And uh, he came in and uh, he was telling her about what her son was doing. And he waved his hand across her eyes and suddenly she could see what was actually happening in Trafalgar Square mm. and uh, it, you know she was absolutely amazed and she was delighted that, um, that you know we're really making a stand you know that the government's got to reveal the truth they've got to stop all this nuclear experimentation absolutely. but it's interesting it's a demonstration because of, uh... Yeah, great demonstration of remote viewing, isn't it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. But it's interesting because on the, the following day, on August the 24th, Mars Sector 6 delivered another transmission congratulating the efforts of all the people who had made their feelings known. So that shows that we are being monitored. Yes. And he made this very interesting statement. A result must always equal the cause. Your cause is for truth. The result must be the revelation of truth. Oh, that's very that's interesting. That's a real action and reaction, you know, yes. in, a, in a really positive way. And then he also yes, said, I just, well, this, is, this is a wonderful statement. Mars Sector 6 urges us to light a flame across Earth so that all can see it. Then we can count on the help of the Cosmic Masters. Fantastic. So inspiring. (laughs) Very inspiring. And time flies when we're enjoying ourselves, Alison, but it is time halfway through the show, time for a break. So let's hand over to Noemi, shall we? Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, Chrissy and Alison. You are listening to Theories Radio Live with Chrissy Blaze and Alison Lawrence. The announcements are as follows. You are warmly invited to join like-minded people in sending spiritual energy to the world 
during our live online 12 blessing services, which are held on Saturdays at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time and on Sundays at 5.30 p.m. UK time. For more information, please visit 12blessings.org. That's 12 in digits. And there are two classes coming up in Michigan. One is on Saturday, 10th of March, Qigong Calm, Moving Meditations for Self-Healing, and that's at 2 p.m. with Gary Blaze. And on Saturday, 17th of March, Chrissy Blaze is also holding a class at 2 p.m. entitled Cosmic Cafe, where astrology meets spirituality. And these will be taking place at the Aetherius Society, 3119 North Campbell Road, Royal Oak, Michigan. And of course, for contact details, you can visit our website at aetherius.org forward slash locations. And on this page, you can also search for activities at our centers around the world. I'm now pleased to return you to your hosts, Chrissy Blaze and Alison Lawrence. Thank you, Noemi. Thank you. Uh, Hi there, Alison. Hi there. Um, In this solar system, I think you've talked about uh, the fact that every planet in the solar system is inhabited and that we are being monitored from not only the solar system, but also beyond. And astronomers are now saying, as you probably know, there could be two billion uh, planets in our galaxy alone, and many of these are Earth-like. So, you know, it's not surprising. Science is catching up, isn't it? It's, it it's, certainly it always, is, yes. Yeah, so many exciting things are happening in science right now. And in the society, we have always taught that not only are the planets inhabited, but in this solar system, we're at the bottom of the planetary uh, classroom. Um, but the planets themselves are living, breathing intelligences. And as an astrologer, and the experience I've had over the years studying the planets, I know this to be true, but also this is part of the teachings of the society. And like us, like humans, they too evolve. They too go through initiations. And I know we have spoken on this show about the initiation of Earth that took place on July the 8th, 1964, a day that we dedicate in the Aetheria Society to the Mother Earth uh, to give back, to give our thanks, uh, to give our gratitude for this great goddess. So, Alison, um, perhaps you could share a little about another initiation that has taken place um, yes, in the yes. solar system, of this solar system. Yes. This was um, a very, very great initiation whereby the whole solar system itself received an initiation. And this took place on uh, the 28th of December, 1969, and the transmission was delivered by the Master Aetherius outlining this. And it was planned by the Great Lords many centuries ago, but it's part of the great plan for the total evolution of all beings to be worked out in perfection, which is the governing law behind it all. And he also states, it is not part of the divine law to keep life forms in confinement, even in planetary confinement. Neither is it in the divine law to keep life forms in ignorance. So when this initiation took place, all all the planets in the solar system, with the exception of planet Earth, received this energy. 
and it meant there's going to be a great change for the inhabitants of the other planets. Um, and all life on those planets would therefore be raised to a higher vibration. Now, of course, we were left out because we're simply not ready. So long as we have no respect for life, animal life, human life, we are not going to be part of this uh, this family. I mean, we, you know, we the the door is open. It's what they're waiting for us to join them, and we nearly did uh, during the civilization of Lemuria. We got very close to actually being part of that the family of the solar system, but then we failed again. However, what it means is that the ban has been lifted for our spaceships to start exploring the other planets and uh, for instance we could go to Mars and not find anything there unless the inhabitants saw fit to show themselves however some things have been left there like uh, the relics or you know not of a bygone age but all the more evolved life is now on a higher plane which is interesting because Early views of Mars, I'm using Mars as an example, uh, right. you could see the canals. And they, you know, uh, it was Schiaparelli, he, in the late 19th century, he saw these canals, and every time he looked, they moved. That's uh, really? another, in, yes, it's uh, these vegetation strips. However, you know, since all the probes have gone to Mars, and it's after the initiation of the solar system, they haven't found the canals as described in that way. But, of course, there, there, are, there are, is still vegetation. Um, and the same goes for the moon. So, I mean, that in itself is very interesting. And it means for those, the, the inhabitants of the more advanced planets that they don't have to expend so much energy to move onto a higher vibratory level. So Very interesting. Yes, but of course, as we know, good old NASA have uh, tried to keep their findings from us, but they can't control all the photographs that are relayed back from the, you know, the rover Curiosity. You know, cause yeah, and they couldn't control the uh, astronauts. Many of them, once they retired, and I suppose they weren't bound by their secrecy, um, the things they had to sign, they spoke out also. And I think it was Major Gordon Cooper who said. He said then the he believed in extraterrestrials. He had sightings of UFOs, and he said he believes they're millions of years ahead of us in technology. Um, oh, absolutely! Also, yes. Yeah, I think he also talked about their spirituality. I know certainly uh, some of them did, and many of the astronauts uh, had UFO sightings and later believed in advanced life and so forth. So yeah, you can you can try and keep these things, but they do come out, don't they? <laughs> They definitely it, do. Absolutely. I mean, you know, like in the, the 60s, you had the, the people who had the ham radios who sort of, they were like the pirate, you know, who had the yes. pirate radios. Well, um, there are people around the world who are looking out for photographs being relayed back from the planets, I say like Mars, and the photographs that have come up, that, you know, showing vegetation, showing um, cities, uh, infrared photography showing that they're underground cities and we were told this in the book Life on the Planets in the 
in the, I think, the very early 60s or even late 50s, this transmission, when these transmissions came through, that there are cities under the surface and on the surface. And photographs in the last 20 years have, have already demonstrated that. Absolutely. It's really, it's so annoying that, you know, that the governments want to keep this control over everything. And they don't have the right to do that. Because as the Master of Sirius said, it's not part of the divine law to keep life forms in confinement. That's very, I like that. That's great teaching, isn't it? It's a very, uh, a very pertinent sentence. It really Nor is. should we be kept in ignorance. So like there's a whole plan for the gradual evolution of all life forms, including us. And uh, the, the cosmic masters, the space intelligences, I think they have a softly, softly approach. They want us to change from within rather than imposing themselves and forcing us to uh, believe in them when we're not ready or frightened. Not that they are going to frighten us. Yeah, so and as you say, it's going back. It's, it's been going on for thousands of years. And you talked about Lemuria. That was very interesting. I didn't know that they were ready almost to um, make this cooperative effort with the um, extraterrestrial intelligences, uh, as we are doing in the Ethereum Society. I have to say. But if you are interested, and we have talked about this on previous shows in the history yes. of UFOs, yes. I highly recommend the fantastic book contacts with the gods from space and that was uh, co-authored by dr george king and richard lawrence and it has um ufo sightings in the bible you know master jesus himself said in my father's house there are many mansions referring of course as you were referring to just now Alison, the other planes um, yes yes and the other planets um you know it's going back right to the ramayana which is the ancient indian epic um about talking about the Vimanas going everywhere at will, resembling a bright cloud in the sky, and going back even further in this book to um, Lemuria, as you spoke about, to Atlantis and so forth. But Alison, so it has a, UFOs has a long history. Oh, and they do. As we've mentioned, um, they are still well, coming, since... and they're coming at an increasing rate. And yes. I'd like to ask you why you think that is, why you think that there's increased flying saucer activity now. Right. Well, the initiation of the solar system was pivotal to, to this. And uh, in 1973, in fact, the 18th of October, the Master of Sirius delivered another transmission entitled... Why is there increased flying saucer activities around the world? And he said that um, the the roads or the the pathways into the solar system have now been made available to uh, life forms or civilizations outside of this solar system because um, they'll do they'll do less damage because the more uh, if you like, the more advanced intelligences are now on a higher plane. I mean, we're still, we're still being monitored and they're still not allowed to uh, land on Earth, but they're allowed to come and have a look. And, uh, and in fact, we're told that they're not all humanoid either. And you do get some people who report sightings and strange beings and, you know, 
they're frightened, but um, but they're not hurting us. But uh, oh yes, and in the in this transmission, uh, the Master Sirius says um, that they're coming from the constellations of Virgo and Sagittarius and other constellations within that area of space, and some are even coming from outside of this galaxy. And you see, there are other reasons. We've had the great Operation Sunbeam. Right. We're told that this mission on a backward world inspired the galaxy. And so they're aware of us. They know of planet Earth. And I'm sure that such a concept has spread even beyond the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. that. There was, there's another factor, which was uh, the eviction of the alien. And that's very interesting timing because um, the timing of it had to be arranged for after the, uh, eviction, the alien was evicted from the lower astral realms of our planet and then after the Gotham mission because it would have drawn too much attention to our, our planet. So th- all that had to be got out of the way. That's something I've just I've been researching. Because, I mean, the siege of Gotha, I mean, I think I probably have to tell people about that. Um, you see, it's not just a, a threat to our planet, but, I mean, there are belligerent entities, but they're not necessarily from this galaxy. And there was an attack on this galaxy. But what they wanted is energy. And the initiation of Earth, of, of the solar system, would have generated such an intense amount of energy that these belligerent entities would have been interested and focused their attention towards us. So there was uh, certain uh, actions had to be performed um, before uh, pathways were opened to our solar system. And also, yes, the Central Traffic Control Agency, Mars Sector 8, examines all the visitors before they are allowed into the solar system. And the Master Theorius refers to these visitors as tourists. And they're advised not to come too deep into our atmosphere because there are danger factors that they were not aware of. And up to now, this advice has been taken. (laughs) Quite amazing, really. Yes, it really is. Um, so we're being watched well, by a million eyes. <laughs> yes, a fascinating thought. Um, and all we have to do is just start to wake up to it. I mean, there's really so much information out there. And, um, of course, there is another way that we can all cooperate, is that is with um, satellite number three, oh, which um, comes around this Earth at certain predetermined times, uh, four times a year, and um, it's a spacecraft um, which we call these times spiritual pushes or magnetization periods, about a month long. The next one starts April the 18th. doesn't mean to say you've got to wait till you do your spiritual actions, but um, during these times, any spiritual actions that we do, and we have talked about this in previous shows, but it's always good to remind us, because it's yeah, something it's we can try it's for it's ourselves. Part of- Yes. Uh, any spiritual actions we do, whether it's a prayer or helping someone, uh, doing a charitable deed, whatever it is, whatever your religion or none at all, uh, whatever your belief system, 
you can cooperate with these gods from space because they come here, and it makes sense, doesn't it, with their advanced technology. I used to think when I first heard about them in the early 70s, wow, how could they possibly pinpoint anyone on Earth who's performing a spiritual act? But now, of course, we've got Google Earth, and it's, it seems, well, this is obvious, that if you had this great technology and a great spirituality, you would use both to, um, and you had the right motivation, as they do, of, of compassion, tremendous compassion for us, you would combine these to help in this way by um, making the effect of your actions 3,000 times more potent in terms of their benefit to the world as a whole. Because everything we do, our thoughts and our actions, affects the world in some degree, as well as our own karmic pattern. It affects the karmic pattern of the whole. So these are times that we can cooperate with this giant spacecraft from Mars and by saying prayers. And we can, many people will feel the energy, the increase this of is, energy flowing through this them is the whole tremendously. Thing. It's what the master theorist was saying, that they're waiting for us to change from within. Now, if we can experience this uh, potentized energy when we perform these spiritual practices, that will help us to tune into a higher energy and that will open up our consciousness to higher truth. And then we'll realize, we'll use our faculty of intuition and it will definitely guide us in, in the right direction. Yeah, so it's something you don't have to take our word for. It's something that you can experiment and try for yourself. Um, I know someone who um, could actually feel the difference. You didn't have to tell him the date because as soon as it started, the spiritual push, he could feel the tremendous increase of energy. Well, actually, now I can feel a difference. I'm sure you do, Alison, after years of cooperating in this way. Um, but try it for yourself. Um, you will feel a difference, I'm sure. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, when we, we honor the entry of uh, satellite number three into orbit of our Earth by holding a special service in their honor. And I can tell the exact moment when the beam is on. I can just feel yeah. it. Suddenly, the energy just courses through me. It's like switching, turning on a tap. And I've, I've experienced that so many times. I, I just know it's true. And when you feel it, then it encourages you to want to do as much as you possibly can uh, during those times. And as I say, the next one's April the 18th to May the 23rd. If you look on the website, ethereus.org, it gives the dates of the four spiritual pushes each year. And so do uh, write those down and cooperate with them, either in your own home or coming to the Ethereus Society branch or a group or a headquarters. We, as Alison said, we hold special services throughout this, these pushes as we call them. And then, as I say, you'll be directly cooperating in one of the best possible ways with these extraterrestrial intelligences because um, I always think it must be so frustrating for them in a way because they come here and for the most part humanity just doesn't even know about them, ignores them or disbelieves them and uh, they just keep coming. They um, do. So and, I mean, it's, they're gradually, gradually making their presence known you see, it's a strange thing. Um, you know, we look at all these science fiction films and all the science fiction novels, and we can accept the whole concept of life on other planets in science, in the, in the terms of science fiction. But and yet, 
it really is a way of guiding us towards a greater reality. It's a way of getting us to accept the truth. Maybe someone has uh, planted this thought in uh, you know, someone's mind. So we are gradually being prepared, even if it's uh, in a rather unusual way. But the thing is, we, yes, we're being prepared for the, the encounter with people's people from other planets. I mean, it's part of the aim, aims and objects of the Aetherius Society. I mean, aim and object number four is to organize the society so as to create favorable conditions for closer contact with and ultimately meetings with the people from the other planets. I mean, that is why the Aetherius Society was set up. It's preparing the whole of the human race gradually. But, you know, you can take a horse to the water, but you can't force him to drink. But the and cosmic also, masters, yeah. they're waiting for us. They're yes. waiting for and us. Of course, and of course, to prepare us also for the coming of the next great master to this earth, the next avatar. Oh, and yes. it's not something just the Aetherius societies are saying. I think you'll find it in all the major religions talk about another great master coming. And this is the time, and we are, all of us, have to prepare for that because it will be an extraordinary time. Uh, is there anything you want to say about that, uh, Alison? Well, I've got the exact quote. Uh, ah, you have. Yes, I, I can. I'll, this was given to Dr. King on November the 23rd. It's known as the Lord's Declaration. And this is it. There will shortly come another among you. He will stand tall among men with a shining countenance. This one will be attired in a single garment of the type now known to you. His shoes will be soft-topped, yet not made of the skin of animals. He will approach the earth leaders. They will ask of him his credentials. He will produce these. His magic will be greater than any upon the earth, greater than the combined materialistic might of all the armies. There is more to it, but I thought this is the part of it that is uh, yes. really yeah, thank relevant. Thank you for reading that. Thank you for reading that, Alison. Yes, um, so I find it very inspiring that this time the cosmic avatar won't come and be uh, treated so horrendously as they have in the past, such as the oh, Master I Jesus. And so forth. This time his, he will use his power. Previously, the great avatars who've come have come in fourth aspect, the Master Jesus certainly, and um, have, this time will come in full power with all his yes. powers. You'll see a huge craft. It will land. He will step out of it. It's just like the, the day the earth stood still, except it will be a shining being. And this really is uh, the last chance for the human race. Because then when the new age really comes along, uh, the conditions on the surface of this earth will be very different. You yes, know, but he, it will be a wonderful thing, yes, as you say. Oh, because he yes, will prepare it will be us, but I, I don't think it will be easy either because... What basically what the great avatars want us to do is to return to the laws of God, the Absolutely. great law of karma. They're and trying to so do far. that. I mean, oh, you know, I mean, really, you, uh, you know, when you think what the Master Jesus said, you know, he really demonstrated that even then when he walked the earth, that he was from another planet, when he said, I'm from the house of David and the bright and morning star. Well, that Absolutely. is Venus. 
but they didn't realise the significance of it. Otherwise, it might have been taken out of the Bible. I, I, I read this in. lovely book. I don't know if you've read it, Alison. Um, he Who Walked the Americas. I have, about, yes. Yes. It's about the Master Jesus um, when he, after his resurrection, walked um, the different countries of the world. And this one specifically talks a lot about the, the United States, that, well, America. And there was a lovely story by a Native American tribe that he was with at the time. And yes. they said that he always used to pray toward, looking up towards the bright and morning star, like it was, you know, it's his home, if you'd like. Oh, and, uh, yes. <laughs> interesting. I mean, so, you know, he gave a lot of clues, like, ye are from below, I am from above. You know, there are little cryptic comments that Master Jesus made, which all indicate that he was not of this world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And... Uh, many others, the Lord Buddha, Lao Tse, Sri Krishna, and of oh, course, yes. Dr. George King. Yes. We believe. He kept, we know. That, he kept that very dark in his lifetime, but we can say it now. <laughs> yes, a very humble man, tremendously ahead of his time, by centuries, I would say. But if you are a listener and an open-minded listener, then do find out as much as you can about this amazing uh, master, Dr. George King. Uh, oh, yes. I mean, because he has done face, so be... much for us. Indeed. Indeed he has. And I think that's um, all the, uh, most of the information, the, uh, the fascinating information presented today, we, we've learned from him as not only a contactee, uh, and a medium, a profound medium, but also a cosmic master himself. So, in his own right. I think right. that's a good note yes. to end the show on, don't you, Alison? Do you I have any final so. words you'd like to say before we hand back to Noemi? Well, I, I would like to just read out this last paragraph taken from the initiation of the solar system delivered by the Master Aetherius. And these are really inspiring words. Have faith in your God and work in such a way that this faith becomes alive and the confines of ignorance which have in the past bound you to terror will be broken down and you will be able to crawl your way through the universe. You know, the invitation, the beckoning light is there. We've just got to wake up to this new reality. We're in the space age we're at the gateway to the new age. And it's not for the governments to decide what we should know and what we shouldn't know. And we, I think the, we will win in the end. Absolutely. That's a very inspiring thought and teaching. So thank you so much, Alison. It's been a great thank show. You, and yes, I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. And what? over for the announcements. Thank you, Alison and Chrissy, for a very informative show. You have been listening to Aetherius Radio Live. The next show will be on Tuesday, 20th of March, when Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze will be talking about an advanced path for ordinary people. And if you'd like to find out more on the facts and publications mentioned in the show, please visit aetherius.org. You can connect with Richard through his website, richardlawrence.co.uk, and with Chrissy at chrissyblaze.com. Well, we hope you enjoyed this show. 
Thank you for listening.